to always get the latest Game Tea, don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us at Twitter at Game Tea Podcast X. You can find us on Facebook at The Game Tea Podcast. And you can find us on Instagram at The Game Tea Podcast. We post frequently, giving you podcast updates, posting gaming news, and the occasional meme. Check them out after the show, and thank you so much for listening to The Game Tea Podcast. Everybody and welcome to another episode of the Game Tea Podcast. My name is JP. I'm Zach, and I'm Zar. Zar, welcome back, buddy. Yay! Yay! I'm here. So, I mean, I don't mean to jump the gun already here, but you said you had some crazy stories from the uh, honeymoon, and <laughs> Zach and I really want to hear them. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, as last week you guys mentioned, uh, I was on my honeymoon, and. My now wife and I went to uh, far, I mean, Bar Harbor, Maine. Um, many people would know from the DLC Fallout 4, Far Harbor. Yeah, we went there in real life. And let me tell you, it was it was a doozy. I mean, we saw lighthouses. I ate lobster every night. We went to Acadia National Park. Our car got broken into. Nothing was stolen. Um, we got to see the ocean. I puked blood. Okay, hold on. You're laying a lot. Hold up. <laughs> okay, someone broke into your car but didn't take anything? Yeah, so um, we were in Acadia National Park, and we went to one of the tourist attractions called Thunder Hole. Turns out <laughs> it's not exactly what it sounds like. Thund- Thunder Hole. <laughs> it's just this, like, little crevasse where the ocean waves pound into the rocks, and it makes sound like thunder. And so we hung out there for like an hour, just captivated by the sounds and the sights and the smells. And when we finally walked back to our car, the door was wide open. (laughs) We were pretty sure that we had closed the doors and locked the car, but luckily all of our stuff was in the trunk and it being, you know, a national park, I'm sure they only had like three seconds to work with, didn't find anything, so they moved on. Maybe they just needed a place to sit for a few minutes. <laughs> I mean, there is a lot of walking there. It's a lot of nature. <laughs> that thunderbolt sounds righteous. Thunder! Oh, it was. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's the car breaking into story. Uh, what about the blood in the puke? What's that all about? Well, the day before we were supposed to come home, we had um, another beautiful lobster dinner. I got this lobster stuffed with crabs, scallops, mussels, and more lobster. It was Oh my god. <laughs> it looked like they had split open a spider, like a water spider, and just stuffed it with goodies. Oh, it was delicious. But I don't know where along the line um, it happened, but we got back to the hotel room that night, and I just was not feeling great. So after a while, you know, I relieved myself. But it wasn't really food. It was all, it was like a lot of blood. And I almost went to the ER. So I almost didn't make it to this podcast. But we, we never figured it out. I just kind of toughed it out, went home, and been fine ever since. Zach, would it really be Zar's honeymoon if he didn't puke blood during it? Uh, I would hope. <laughs> Lauren's just probably like, ah, typical. Uh, just minor brain hemorrhaging. Oh, he's fine. The funny thing was, I come out of the bathroom, I'm like, babe, I think I need to go to the hospital. I just puked blood. And she's like, 
Oh, well, we'll just monitor it and, and see what happens in the morning. I think it should be fine. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, you're ruining our honeymoon. <laughs> this is our last night here, and I will not have this. God. I mean, she's not wrong, but also... <laughs> but also, like, can you imagine going to the emergency room in this economy? Oh, my God. Sorry, no, you made the right call. Made yeah, right she call. was like, are we going to are we gonna call the ambulance? We're like, no, you are not taking me in the bankruptcy paddy wagon. <laughs> the bankruptcy paddy wagon. <laughs> Oh, American healthcare. Oh. Okay, but besides uh, that, just, just for a note, that's that you can't say that, JP. That's politics, JP. Come on, JP. Come on. Yeah, we're a gaming podcast. That's politics. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Other than the bloody puke and the car being broken into, though, great honeymoon. Oh, it was fantastic. I I really want to go back there. The lighthouses, the ocean. It was all just so beautiful and. Oddly enough, there was very little haze from all of the fires going on in the country right now. So it was just clear and shimmery. That sounds fantastic, man. Zach what, and I were You're on the East Coast, baby. Is that fire's all West Coast, isn't it? Well, yeah. Fire! Anyway. <laughs> hey, um, JP, do you know there's a direct correlation when Zara takes a break from the podcast? There's bound to be some good Xbox news. Yeah, funny how that happens, huh? <laughs> yeah, it never fails. We're a solid four for four. <laughs> Man, I've taken a lot of vacations. <laughs> I want vacation. <laughs> All right. Uh, Czar, as a welcome back present, you get to do the itinerary. Ooh. Just, just for you, buddy. All right. So today on the podcast, we are talking about a welcome to Amazon. Oh, Activision no. does some things. A new company is formed from the ashes of a gigantic game industry. And of course, we got some big Xbox power moves on the way. Yeah, I did not see that coming. <laughs> yeah. The plot and then, thickens. <laughs> <laughs> and then after that, we'll go into some game releases. All right. Article time? Article time, boys. And I think this first one belongs to me. It does. All right. So for this first one, um, this is coming to us from GameSpot, written by uh, Steve Watts. Amazon introduces cloud gaming service called Luna. Amazon has unveiled its own cloud gaming service called Luna, which will use Amazon Web Services as its backbone. CNET reports the service is touting the ability to play anywhere, including iPhone and iPad. You can request early access to the service starting today. Boys, have we been here before? I feel like we've been here before. We absolutely have. <laughs> <laughs> Insert clever Stadia joke here. <laughs> First off, I love this because... Uh, Amazon named their gaming market after my cat. My cat's name is also Luna, so they got my vote. Yeah, I'm sure they named it after your cat, Zar. I'm sure they're like, oh, Zar's cat, that's the name of our service. I post enough pictures of her, someone got the gist. <laughs> it's all you post, Zar. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess we can start this with, how do you guys feel about Amazon? Are you guys okay with them taking over the world? How do you, how do you feel? I think it's it's hilarious, and I'm okay with it. Because, like, the article goes on saying that Amazon is trying to combat the Google Stadia. But is the Google Stadia really even competition? I mean, from everything that this article has said, Luna is already leaps and bounds above the Stadia. And the Stadia has just never gotten off the ground. See, in my opinion, that's what Amazon wants you to think. Because, I mean, 
if you go through the article and you see or hear more about the service, what's the difference between this and xCloud and Stadia? I, I don't see it. It's just supposed to be another cloud-based gaming service. And the reason why I'm so skeptical is because we've seen this before with Stadia and Stadia was a huge flop. In every consideration of the word flop, Stadia absolutely failed. And I just don't see how Amazon is like, okay, but that's the other giant multi-billion dollar corporation. We'll get it right. And in fact, I wanted to kind of read, if you look onto the article, Amazon is offering a Luna Plus game channel, which gives you an access to a library of games for a subscription price. During the early access period, Luna Plus will include a number of games like Resident Evil 7, Control, and A Plague Tale Innocence, among others. Um, Okay, this is interesting. It's going to cost $6 a month, and Amazon promises quality up to 4K with 60 FPS for some games. With what we've seen with Stadia, boys, do you think that this is actually doable? Zach, what do you think? Yeah, and I think you're going to get more into it with the article later, but basically I think Amazon is much more set up with their infrastructure already. And by that, I mean like Google obviously has infrastructure, but not everyone uses all the Google infrastructure. Amazon has Twitch. That's an easy way to advertise to gamers and get people using it. Like Microsoft partnered with Facebook Gaming, but come on, Facebook Gaming? Like I'd really be on Twitch nine times out of 10. Hey, don't you talk shit on Farmville. <laughs> All right. My eggplants are dope. <laughs> and I'm trying to make sure I verify this, but um, I'm pretty sure you're able to use like any controller, but there is the optional Luna controller, which Google Stadia was not playing nice in that regard. Like you had to go and buy the Google Stadia controller and it was like an extra 50 bucks and it wasn't anything special. Um, so I think they're setting it up to where it's a lot easier to get into. Yeah. I think it's going to give them a huge head start. The thing that still sucks is these are all games that have been out for a while that we've all played before and like jp it's notorious for saying why do you get a console why do you sign up for a service it's to play the games (laughs) to play the games (laughs) and you know i i think that stadia and luna would have kicked off a hell of a lot better had xbox's game pass service not already been a thing that's available on xbox and PC. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, what do you guys think about the subscription service only costing $6 a month? Well, it actually says that it's an introductory pricing that's only available during early access. Ah, that's so how they get you. Yep, it's, it's theorized that eventually their cost will go to the similar market of Google Stadia, which is about 10 to 11 bucks a month. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. That's good speculation. I was going to say, I think maybe they could really do something even better with this if they included limited Luna to like Amazon Prime members or any sort of uh, gold standard subscription based through their website because they're all inclusive. Like if you get Amazon Prime, you get a list of infinite movies tv shows and other stuff so why don't they include the games in that pricing too well if it isn't about the money (laughs) i mean that's fair (laughs) but zach made the point earlier and yeah with this game library that they're using to launch so here's a list of the games resident evil 7 control panzer dragoon a plague tale innocence the surge 2 ukulele and the impossible lair (laughs) iconoclasts grid Abzu and Brothers A Tale of Two Sons. There's some good games in that list, but nothing 
that in my opinion would be super enticing for people to want to sign up for this service. Yeah, and I'm I'm totally with you. Like, I mean, like, it's not a bad lineup. It's just it's not. I mean, like, they're partnering with Ubisoft. Why wouldn't they wait until like right before Vikings, not Vikings is gonna launch? What's the Valhalla? Valhalla is about to launch. And Immortals. And Immortals. One of the wait for one of those games to launch. I guess maybe this isn't their launch. So I guess that's I maybe I'm a little too early. But that should be when they do like the release period. So like, hey, like you want to play this game? It's just six bucks a month to come play this. And then or maybe it'll be twelve by the time that those games launch. But yeah. Cause right now these games are all I don't want to say irrelevant in a bad way, but they're like, you you know if you want to play those games or not already. I'll say that. Mm, yeah. And most people already have played those games. Yeah, precisely. Um, so as far as like the titles, they're not doing themselves a big service there with the launch. Uh, the final question, if you guys take a look at the controller, what do you think of the design of the controller at the very least? It looks very similar to an Xbox controller. Uh, Zar, this is clearly a Nintendo Switch Pro Controller knockoff. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Xbox, I've said it a million times, Xbox has the most comfortable controller in the industry. So replicating Xbox's controller, or if you're Zach, uh, (laughs) Nintendo Switch Pro Controller, whatever you feel like hearing right now from your old pal JP. I mean, why not just copy and paste, you know, make it look a little different make the center button home button look a little different. Bam, you got yourself control. And that's fair, because I mean, where do you go with controllers? Like if you are a new game industry, how do you make a new controller? Because basically they perfected the controller at this point. I think whoever made the N64 controller just kind of closed, had a blindfold on and just started scribbling like a shape on a piece of paper. And then they're like, yes, yes, I see it. <laughs> JP, I swear to God, I swear, I swear. Oh, Zach, I we're all Nintendo fans, buddy. But what was Nintendo doing with the N64 controller? Come on. They were the first ones to put an analog stick on. They didn't know what to do with it. <laughs> oh, that's fair. That's fair. All right. Do you guys have anything else to say about uh, Amazon Luna before we get going? Yeah, I like I like the hardware. I like how it's compatible with stuff you already have. I like how it's Amazon and like a lot of people already use Amazon all the time. And I like how it's just, it's gonna be easy plug and play. I just don't like how there's not any big games launching with this. It's kind of my two final cents on it. Okay, what about you, Zar? I, I think Zach hit the nail on the head there. I mean, it's really missing that wow factor. And that wow factor is definitely the games because they already improved on the Stadia's mistakes with the controller debacle. And like those in my my mind are the two biggest issues with this subscription online based gaming service that you can have through your phone or anything is controllability and the games. Mm-hmm. So they did one thing right, but I don't know who's, who's to say on the other. Yeah, and that's absolutely true. Um, and I mean, like, it's a sort of, it's kind of a said and done thing at this point, you know, like when Stadia, when Google announced Stadia, which is pretty much this exact same product, just with a different coat of paint on it, everybody was ecstatic, really more to see where it was going to go and a little bit for the product itself. But I mean, like my expectations are so low right now for how Luna's going to turn out. And I guess in a way, that's a good thing for Amazon because it's like, if it flops, it's like, oh, I knew it. But if it does really, really well, everybody's going to be really surprised. And with that, let's move on to this next article. JP, 
get to keep talking. Are you ready? Heck yeah. Am I ready to talk? <laughs> oh, I'm always ready to talk, buddy. <laughs> okay, so this next thing we're talking about is actually a tweet that was sent out by Activision Support on September 21st, which is over a week ago by the time this launches, but is probably still going to be perfectly relevant. So the tweet is essentially a picture um, of a statement from Activision, and it says, reports suggesting Activision Call of Duty accounts have been compromised are not accurate. We investigate all privacy concerns. As always, we recommend that players take precaution to protect their Activision accounts, as well as any online accounts at all times. You will receive emails when major changes are made to your Call of Duty accounts. If you did not make these changes, please be sure to follow the steps provided. A couple of interesting points. First of all, Activision disabled comments for this tweet. Yeah. Did you? <laughs> I, so, I, I didn't believe it at first, so I, I clicked on the comments and only people who were tagged in the post, which was nobody, were allowed to reply. <laughs> so I didn't even know that was a thing you could do, by the way. So that's already a little... I think you gotta be Twitter verified or something like that. I don't know. So no comments allowed. Um, and there are plenty of people who are saying that their accounts have been hacked. And then Activision comes out with this kind of def very defensive tweet, in my opinion. It's just, it's that guy going, everything's fine. It's fine. There's no need to worry. It's all fine. And it's just like, that didn't really instill a lot of confidence to me. Yeah, you know, <laughs> we've covered a lot of articles just based off of like a singular tweet that really just branched out into a lot of aspects. But I think this is the first time we have gotten so much from one tweet. It, there's just so much speculation here. What is going on? Uh, so, yeah, uh, uh, guys, 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 guys. Yes, Zach. <laughs> I think you already said it. But don't you feel like these guys are making it worse by even saying anything? Not. I think that I think that the public deserves a statement that you know like hey we're looking into it i think just the syntax and like the everything else with this tweet i think it just comes off as too defensive like almost like they're trying to figure something out and i know that's complete speculation but why did they disable the comments on the tweet why did this come off as such a defensive everything is fine we are investigating everything everybody shut up yeah and they they kind of end it with you know, it's it's not on our end if you've been hacked, but you could always talk to our support. Just like diverting the problem to another a branch. And then they included a link to their uh, website, um, basically kind of uh, the tab on keeping your Activision account secure. Um, to be honest, I haven't heard much about any of these Call of Duty Activision accounts getting hacked. Well, that's because none of us play COD. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, that doesn't... That doesn't mean there's not a problem because none of us are big COD fans. Still, I mean, if you are one of those people that have had some type of uh, suspicious activity on your account, um, you can go find that tweet from Activision. And they included a link to essentially their website where that you can change your password and they give you tips for protecting your account. But overall, this seems a little shady. Um, and that's basically it. I mean, just kind of we want to give you guys the warning if there is something going on with your Activision account. Like, I guess... It's been happening to enough people where Activision felt like they needed to tweet about it to kind of put people's minds at ease, even though they didn't really do that. 
And that's pretty much it from Activision. Uh, Zach, what is next on the docket? Hey, um, hold on. I hate Activision. All right, my turn. All right. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of my hate for Activision and why I hate Activision so much is because of Blizzard. And that was like the first episode of the podcast. So shout out to all y'all true listeners. Appreciate you. Episode um, one, baby. Blizzard mayhem. All right. So anyway, speaking of that, Dreamhaven may be rising from the Blizzard Activision ashes. Ooh. So guys, Dreamhaven was found, is founded by one of the co-founders of Blizzard Entertainment, Mike Morhime. And um, he left Activision Blizzard to pursue this company. Wow. Um, so kind of a big deal there. He, like, I'm trying to think it was him. I think it was three people founded Blizzard Entertainment back in like the 90s, but they weren't called Blizzard Entertainment. They were called something else at the time. Hmm. Anyway, um, so that's kind of a side change for another thing, but I think it's a pretty big deal because, guys, I hate what Activision did to Blizzard. Like the second those two fused together, we went from Wrath of the Lich King, World of Warcraft, StarCraft 2, and I'm trying to think, it was it's still Diablo wasn't really a thing. Diablo 3 was just starting to form. They just merged Activision. You could tell everything changed, guys. You could just right. tell money changed these developers. Money. <laughs> Usually <laughs> does. Right. And so to see one of these um, really big name guys leave that company and start his own kind of gives me a little bit of hope. A little, probably a little too optimistic of hope. Um, what are your guys' two cents on this? Not only did he leave himself, but he took a powerhouse of, of uh, developers with him. So I don't know if you want to get into this or not, the difference in the two studios that they led um, and the people who are heading those studios, because I actually uh, looked into a little bit of the bio of each of those people and what exactly they've done. Yeah, so I guess I'll go ahead and do that. So there's two studios in this company. There's Secret Door, which is led by Chris Sagati, Alan Dabiri, and Eric Dodds. And then there's Moonshot Studios, which is uh, led by Jason Chase, Dustin Browder, and Ben Thompson. Um, I really didn't get too much into these, necessarily like why there's each studios and why they're separate, Czar. Um, but I do know each and every one of those guys, they're like, either creative directors or producers on some of Blizzard's biggest projects. Um, Dustin Browder and Alan DeBerry were heavily involved in Heroes of Storm. Mm. A lot of those guys were all in, because like, World of Warcraft was so big, a lot of them have all been in some shape or form involved in World of Warcraft. I know two of those, I think it's Jason and Ben were involved in StarCraft II. So yeah, these guys have pretty prestigious resumes. They really do. They they've got a lot of big hitting talent that's coming to this studio. Um, and I know, you know, trying to speculate on the reason why Mike left Blizzard is kind of up in the air. But I am expecting some pretty good things coming from this game studio. You know, um, they've got a lot of talent. It looks like they've got a lot of creative direction. I think this is going to be a pretty big, heavy, heavy hitting studio. I think it could possibly be a pretty big competitor in the future. And that's why I think it's worth keeping an eye on it. Absolutely. So to put it into perspective, so uh, for Moonshot, uh, Shiaz, I think was the guy's name. Uh, he was an executive producer at Blizzard Entertainment. 
led the Hearthstone team, senior director at EA, and before that, led art teams for Walt Disney's game division. Huh. Yeah. And then uh, this is still in Moonshot. Browder's 25-year career, uh, he was a game director on StarCraft II, Heroes of the Storm, Command and & Conquer, and The Lord of the Rings. And this is all coming from the article, too. Um, Thompson was creative director on Hearthstone and the art director for World of Warcraft trading card game. And his additional credits are on uh, Dungeons and Dragons and Magic the Gathering. Oh my God. Yeah. And then now on Secret Doors side, Sagati was the executive producer, Hearthstone, Starcraft 2, Here's the Storm, as well as the lead producer on the original Warcraft 3. That's absolutely crazy. Yeah. And basically Dodds and Dabri... They they were both like uh, game directors, technical directors for the same games. Warcraft 3, Starcraft 2, Heroes of the Storm. But mm. yeah, uh, Blizzard just really lost a lot of big people. They did. And it's kind of their own fault, to be honest, them and Activision, that these people felt, like I said, I have no concrete evidence or data or like anything from any of these people on why they left their respective studios but to be juggernauts in your industry and to leave and take people with you to go start a new company i mean there's got to be something going on behind the scenes there that's happening still though it doesn't matter i'm very excited zach probably nobody is excited about this more than you are though what's the kind of games that you're excited to see or that you anticipate is going to start coming out of this studio that's funny that you say that um, because I think it's going to be a long time before we see any games. I think there's going to be a lot of hiring that goes on here. I just hope they just bring back that Blizzard world building. Like they are so good at creating these brand new worlds with all this lore. And it just feel like it felt like the Blizzard well was dry. And now they're kind of like, OK, screw this Activision. We're going to try something new. Do our own thing and take our time with it. Because when you want to make a new world, you have to take your time with it. Mm -hmm. So I have no idea, JP. These are some of the most creative people in the industry. Gosh, I just hope it's I hope it's something just breathtaking. I don't know. I really it could be anything. I I, I really I know it's kind of like a non-answer, but it's going to be a while. I want to say like probably six years down the road before we even see a game. Wow. Yeah, we'll see what happens. But I mean, like. With any product that comes out of studios like this, it's going to be worth the wait. I'd rather have them take the time to make something great, even if we aren't able to enjoy it for like five to six years, because they know they have to get off on a, the right foot here. You know, they can't spend two years creating a game from scratch, putting it out and then having it flop and then having the studio go under. That's stupid. Yeah, you can't you can't have your your studio go under from the first game you make precisely. So I think that wasn't a bad answer at all, Zach. I think you're absolutely 100 percent right. All right. I'm going to I'm going to tweak that question a little bit because Blizzard has a very notable trend in the games they produced, either being fantasy or sci fi. And so I want to know, Zach, in your speculation, do you think that their first game is going to be fantasy, sci-fi, or just none of the above? Something completely different. Fantasy. Fantasy. I'm, fantasy. I'm feeling fantasy, too, just based off of their website. I mean, pe people from Blizzard, people from Disney, people from all over this crazy industry 
fantasy is probably is their forte. Hey, your forte is my forte, forte. You dig? <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, anything else you wanted to talk about regarding Dreamhaven? Yay! That's all I can say. Good, uh, good point, Zach. <laughs> so glad that Activision's losing some important people, and I'm so glad that it's people that can make hopefully a positive difference in this. Damn, you really do hate Activision. Moral of the so- of the story: Zach is hyped. Zach is hyped. Zach is hyped. All right, Czar, we've got one more article today, and <laughs> you probably are very excited to talk about it. Oh, I'm so excited. So little backstory. Um, I discovered this article and texted it to you guys while I was on the plane waiting to go to my honeymoon. Me and my wife were just kind of scrolling through Facebook, talking a little bit, waiting for the plane to take off. And all of a sudden I scroll over some big Xbox news. Dude, big I big doesn't even cover it. This is huge. This is a game changer. Oh, yeah. So this is coming from direct directly on Xbox.com. And as announced by Xbox on Monday, September 21st. So last week, uh, Xbox will acquire ZeniMax Media, the parent company of popular video game publisher Bethesda Softworks for seven point five billion dollars. <laughs> That's this a good chunk of change. Expensive deal that Microsoft has ever struck. I think in comparison was Mojang, the people who made Minecraft for like four billion, maybe even four million. Huh. I thought that was uh, Mojang would have been more than that, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but that was like way back in 2016. So this was actually one of the largest acquisitions in the video game industry ever. Like, Xbox shelled out a lot of coin for this one. And the ramifications of this means that the Elder Scrolls, Fallout, Wolfenstein, Quake, Starfield, and Doom will all be owned by Microsoft. And those series will be added to Xbox Game Pass. So (laughs) when you you boys asked me a few weeks ago, does Xbox have IPs? Do they have exclusives? Well, my friends, yes, they do. They sure do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. They heard you talking shit, JP, and they're like, you know what? Fuck you. We're buying a whole new company. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. No, they really did. They're like, oh, I'm going to show this dumbass. This grows Microsoft's creative studio teams from 15 to 23. <laughs> oh, my God. That's a lot of game studios. Bethesda is the most famous or infamous depending on how you want to look at it gaming companies in the industry so xbox acquiring this is huge 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 i and the fact that this is going to be added to game pass game pass was already going to be outstanding this <laughs> I, i'm speechless guys i am so speechless right now yeah i don't think anybody expected this kind of a power move and now I know what all of you PlayStation fanboys, JP included, are thinking. <laughs> What's going to happen to our games? Well, oh, I'm not worried about that at all. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe other people are. <laughs> but Phil Spencer actually came out with a tweet and uh, said to answer ev- the question that is on everybody's mind. Xbox plans to honor the PS5 exclusivity commitment for Deathloop and Ghostwire Tokyo. And Bethesda, I think this was part of the deal 
for Xbox to acquire Bethesda is that Bethesda already signed on to PlayStation for these exclusives, but it's going to make them timed exclusives. So the Xbox or the PlayStation won't have them as exclusives forever. And yeah, that's fair. That's but totally- this, this also comes to another note uh, continuing. Future Bethesda games will be on Xbox, PC, and other consoles on a case-by-case basis. So it's hard to say if Bethesda will make these decisions or if they'll come from Xbox directly because Xbox could easily be like, oh, PlayStation wants the new Elder Scrolls or the new Fallout. Well, that's too damn bad. (laughs) And why would they not do that? Exactly. It's it's a way to boost consoles and everybody has been giving Xbox shit about exclusive titles and now they got them and now they get to decide. They have so much power here. They get to decide who gets what Bethesda games and like everybody loves a good Bethesda game. Speaking of good Bethesda games, when's the last time we got a good one, JP? Good is in the eye of the... That was a test. Doom Eternal was good. But before that, JP... <laughs> Fallout 4? Yeah, Which I was, was going to say... 2011? 2012? Definitely not. Oh, definitely not. No, that was 2014. Was 14? Definitely not Fallout 76. No. Fallout 76. No, or, or ESO. Elder Scrolls Online. Yeah, no. Elder Scrolls Online. That I mean, if you're playing on PC, good for you. You made the right decision. Never bring an MMO to a console. You just can't. You're just going to have a bad time. You're just going to have a bad time. So are, do you get flashbacks of Rare acquisition here? Or do you feel like this is totally something different? I think I I get those rare flashbacks, but this is totally something different. And the difference is Xbox is going to use the shit out of Bethesda. Rare's kind of been sitting collecting dust for a while. They got a new game coming out and it looks fantastic. But like 10, 12 years, Rare hasn't made a game. Bethesda is going to be pumping out a lot of content for Xbox, I'm sure. Yeah, they've they've already built up such a great library from themselves. And Xbox is just like, hey, buddy, why don't you come play at the cool kids table for a little while? And I I honestly thought that some of these Bethesda games were already on the Game Pass service, but I I could easily be wrong there. I don't actually subscribe to Game Pass. Um, It's too much anxiety for me. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Not with our backlogs. Too many games. I won't stop. Can't stop. Won't stop buying games. So furthering this article, I had one big question on my mind throughout this whole thing. And that is, is this going to push Xbox to win the console war? And unfortunately, I feel the answer is no, it is not. Because um, this Bethesda deal is expected to be finalized during the second half of fiscal year 2021. And that's a direct quote from the article. Oh, okay. Yeah, the deal won't really affect immediate console sales. It's more of a, quote, long-term investment. Well, not to mention the fact that, I mean, like, it's great that uh, Xbox is getting these huge titles via the acquisition of Bethesda, but nothing new. You know, these are games that have all been out for a little while. Oh, yeah. And uh, I noticed, Zach, in the script that uh, you asked, can they do this? And yeah, I, I didn't even know if they could do this, but it makes so much sense. I mean, instead of building your own game studios and acquiring like indie to get 
indie developer studios, which you should still buy indie developer studios. They deserve their limelight too. But buying these huge, heavy hitting industries, this could be the way of the future. I think we're gonna see a bidding war between Xbox and PlayStation over these third-party developers. Oh my God. Some of them won't cave, some of them will keep to their guns, but I think we're gonna see a lot of Bethesdas out there. The, have you guys been is seeing? This allowed? <laughs> is this is that allowed? Have you guys been seeing the memes of like people crying and it's like Bethesda when Microsoft actually makes them finish a game? <laughs> <laughs> Microsoft when they make Bethesda make a game without bugs. <laughs> oh, it's it's so true, and I'm I'm really glad you brought that up because there was a quote further down in the article. Um, from Pete Hines, Bethesda's senior vice president of PR and marketing. He says, we're still Bethesda. We're still working on the same games we were yesterday, made by the same studios we've worked with for years. All of those games will be published by us. Continuing saying, the deal allows us to make even better games moving forward. Microsoft is an incredible partner and offers access to resources that will make us a better publisher and developer. So you're going to finish some games now? I, I, I So you guys are going to finish your games? <laughs> you're, you're not just going to leave me to the endless void constantly falling through rocks? Looking at you, Fallout 76. Yup. <laughs> hey, now, Elder Scrolls 6, you got to imagine, that's going to be an Xbox slash PC exclusive, right? Oh, it's it's got to be at least timed. That's going to be a big hitter. But I mean, that's not even speculated to come out until 2022. I'm so excited for that game. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys. Um, is there anything else you wanted to add to this before uh, we get into some game releases? Go Xbox. Yeah, I got to say, I got to give it up to Xbox. That is some big news. Good for them. Big power move. I'm excited to see what they do for Bethesda. All right. First on the upcoming game releases, we have Blaston for the PC and VR coming October 8th. Next, we have Game Dev Tycoon for the Switch on October 8th. So if you hate every game that you play made by somebody else, make your own. (laughs) Make your own damn game then, if you're so smart. (laughs) After that, we have Eichenfell for the PC, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch on October 8th. Mortal Kombat 11 Aftermath All Hallows Eve Skin Pack for the PC, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch on October 8th. Ride 4 for the PC, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One on October 8th. The Uncertain Light at the End for the PC, October 8th. Finally, not on October 8th, we have Ben 10 Power Trip. For the PC, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch. On it's hero time. <laughs> it's hero time on October 9th. Also on October 9th, we have FIFA 21 for the PC, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One. And finally, we have the Survivalists for the PC, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch on October 9th. I just realized, you know how I play the Happy Wheels music, or we play the Happy Wheels music every time we mention the Stadia? Well, now we're going to need a new tone for when we mention Luna. <laughs> just Bizarre's cat making a noise. I could I could record some sound effects from my cat. She grunts when she poops. 
That's it. That's what we want. That's the one. That's the sound, boys. Just going to hold up a microphone to her whenever she's at her litter box. (laughs) (laughs) You're kitty, kitty. (laughs) All right. So we have one game to hype up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I kind of I kind of cheated here. Um, So, yeah, I didn't like any of those games. So I just made one that we didn't get to talk about last time. So you cheated. <laughs> I totally admit to cheating. And if you disagree with me, make your own podcast and then we can be <laughs> podcast buddies. Make your own <laughs> damn podcast. <laughs> it's Crash Bandicoot 4. It's about time. Coming to PS4 and Xbox One on October 2nd. Boys, this game was so hype. I can't wait to get my hands on it. I really wanted to um, show that I'm not a biased Nintendo fanboy. So we did Nintendo last week and we'll do Sony and Xbox this week. Okay, okay. All right, just stop scratching your neck, man. (laughs) (laughs) Crash Bandicoot 4, it's about time. It's coming to PS4 and Xbox One on October 2nd. The devious villains, Neil Cortex and Dr. N Trophy, have left have finally escaped their interdimensional prison, leaving an evil scientist-sized hole in the universe. Now they got their eyes set on not only simply conquering this dimension, but all dimensions. And it's up to Crash and Coco to save the day. And Sandy Beach is where Crash's adventures first started, and it's where it begins in Crash 4. But they have definitely been changes since players first saw it in Sandy Beach all those years ago. And throughout Crash 4, you'll notice changes to gameplay and even the art style. JP, I think you're right, man. Like, I'm excited for this. I can't wait for it to come out to the Switch in about four years, and I'm going to play it when it does. <laughs> <laughs> Did we ever figure out what the fourth mask was? Anyway. <laughs> no, we didn't. But, okay, so the story of Crash Bandicoot Games is like, okay, whatever. It's like, there's a villain. Go stop the villain. And you're like, whoa! Platforming! Yeah, that's the whole story of Crash Bandicoot 4. Who cares? Watching the trailer, I see so many different kinds of mechanics that they're going to be using in this new Crash Bandicoot game. It looks like it's going to be fun. It looks like it's going to be challenging. It looks like it's going to make me want to pull my hair out. That's why I'm so excited for this game. There may be an evil scientist-sized hole in the universe, but when this game drops, there will be a controller-sized hole in your drywall. (laughs) Well put. (laughs) No, I'm serious. Like when Insane Trilogy came out, um, God, about three or four years ago now, right? I went through Crash Bandicoot 1, 100% of the game. Even the secret level that was released as DLC, 100% of the level got all the got the gem for like going through it without uh, dying, which is incredible, by the way, that I did that because the reason why that level was removed in the original Crash Bandicoot was because the game devs thought it was too hard. Are you some kind of masochist? Yeah, just a just a flex, just a <laughs> flexing. Do you enjoy stress and pain? I must. I mean, he's my best friend. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Zach, I need him as much as he needs me. I think, you know, that's pretty true. We even each other out. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I think so. There's something strangely relaxing about playing these types of games for me, whether it's Cuphead or Getting Over It or Crash Bandicoot. The immense amount of stress that I feel as I'm trying to get through these levels just trumps everything that's going on in my actual life that's really important. And I don't know, there's something about that that's like relieving. Does that make sense or am I psychotic? You you just overstressed yourself to the point where your brain thinks it's relaxing, but really it's just frying itself. Well, living beyond 52 years old is overrated anyway. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. And that that's really what I'm excited for. Um, I mean, I hate using the word gimmicks because it comes with a negative connotation. But there looks like there's a lot of like gimmicks that um, this new Crash Bandicoot is going to be utilizing really, really well. It looks colorful, looks fun. It looks fluid. It looks like the movement is going to be very, very uh, easygoing, yet at the same time, very precise, because that's exactly what we've come to expect from a Crash Bandicoot game. And I can't think of a game that deserves to be hyped up more than Crash Bandicoot 4 right now. It's about time. You think you'll still die if, like, a laser touches your little toe? Let me put it like this, Zar. <clears throat> Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> that, was pretty, that was pretty good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Whoa! All right. I think that about wraps it up for this episode. Thank you all so much for joining us on another episode of the Game Tea Podcast. We will see you in the next episode. You just got your game tea. Bye! Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the Game Tea Podcast. If you liked what you heard, why not follow us on social media? You can find us on Twitter at the Game Tea Podcast X. You can find us on Facebook at the Game Tea Podcast. And you can find us on Instagram at the Game Tea Podcast.